So I'm going to be running Max for Live and running audio from Ableton into, into Max for Live. And we've just loaded up a model that was trained for the last two days on Mr. Bill's music. <laughs> so I really don't know how it's going to come out. Uh, this will be a really exciting experiment. So let, let, let's give this a <laughs> shot. I'm going to hit share then. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. My name is Ben Cantil, aka Incanti, from Zebler and Canty Experience. And I'm recording this from Tel Aviv, Israel, where I'm en route to perform with an awesome crew called Fusion Culture. On today's show, we're taking a deep dive into AI-generated sound design with legendary music producer Rob Klaus, audio researchers Zach Zukowski and CJ Carr, also known as the Databots, and my amazing partner in crime, Catherine Stewart. This interview was recorded live from our coding retreat at Eagle Rock in Scotland last month, headquarters of our new audio software company, Datamind Audio. It was such an honor to tell the world about this exciting work we've been doing on Mr. Bill's podcast and to have a conversation about AI-generated audio in the context of electronic music production. If you're interested in being the first to know about our AI-generated plugins, give us a follow at Datamind Audio or sign up to our mailing list at datamindaudio.ai. Also, remember to sign up for membership at mrbillstunes.com, which is truly an incredible place to access music production tutorials and resources for all kinds of music producers. And that is an honest endorsement. Mr. Bill has not asked me to tell you that. I'm just a big fan and believer in what he's doing. So I hope you sign up, I hope you give us a follow, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. All right. Well, thanks for coming on my podcast, everyone. Um, it's really, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, AI and music and AI in general has been something that I've been interested in for a while, but specifically lately, it seems to have made it into the public eye a lot more with just um, these, you know, crazy <clears throat> image generators for the most part, I guess, that have been around, but also of late, there's, I've seen a few crazy music generators where you can go online and just type like, I want a you know, beat that sounds kind of like a Mr. Oizo if he was on tons of crack and let's put some apple crunch noises in there and, and blah, blah, blah. And then it will generate you just some, you know, little 30 second loop or whatever. And uh, for the most part, the ones that I've heard have sounded mostly shit, but I've heard a couple that have sounded pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> people like we have here, uh, I would class some of the some of the people with the more professional opinions on that kind of stuff in the industry. So um, uh, I'll do a quick intro, I suppose, of what I know about you, and then from there you could uh, maybe introduce yourself um, more. But yeah, so here we have uh, Inkanti. Uh, he's uh, an educator at Berkeley University. He developed the master's sound design program there, as well as uh, another program there, plus. Obviously, Ableton Wizard, you run your own classes. And of late, you did, a, I believe, a PhD in some sort of music technology program. Uh, and now you're making VSTs and doing all sorts of crazy shit with AI. Um, Catherine, what I know about you is that you're an author and a writer. <clears throat> um, and Databots, I, I don't know a lot about you, so maybe you could do the intro there. And then obviously, Rob Klaus is here as well. And uh, yeah, man, you're one of my favorite artists of all time, to be honest. So... Uh, um, hopefully a lot of people here know you, but if they don't, um, the first that I heard of you was Vatex, which was this crazy glitch IDM project back in the day that um, that I really fell in love with. And then you went on to do the Rob Klaus stuff, which is you know, really techie sort of uh, techno craziness. And, and obviously since then you've developed your own VSTs with companies and done all sorts of interesting stuff with programs like Max and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, would you like to go around the table and, and sort of talk about more 
uh, what you all, uh, what you all do or yeah, what, uh, yeah, let's, let's do that first. And then we can maybe get into the weeds of actual AI in the music industry. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we start off on the Databots. Yeah, let's do that. Yo, we're CJ and Zach from Databots. We're a mach- we're a band that uses machine learning. Uh, we started 10 years ago as interns at Berkeley. Um, coming from extreme music, so extreme metal, death metal, math core, and extreme electronic music, noise, break core. Um, just trying to see how we could push music even further, um, make it even more fucked up than, than it is. Um, and, and in the words of Mike Patton, the more fucked up music is and the further away it is from music, the healthier. Uh, and just kind of like being in that zone, that place and time uh, with like Echonest and music information retrieval and like very early generative music. Um, we just, it was super addicting. We became super obsessed. Um, we now, des- yeah, we design neural synthesis. Um, so these are neural nets that generate raw audio and we'll collaborate with bands and artists um, to, um, to do all kinds of things. Um, for example, uh, the UK beatbox champion Reaps One, we made him a neural net that he battles, um, and this helps him up his own game. Uh, we also run a 24 uh, 7 death metal generating live stream on YouTube that's been running for Yo, three years straight. That was you guys? In- <laughs> I fucking, yeah. I know that one, dude. I've always, I swear to, yo, I, I sent you an email, man, and you never responded, you motherfucker. Wait, no, really? Yeah, I really? like sent an email. Wait, yeah. we're huge fans. How did we miss that? No, I literally, whoever like made that 24-hour like gent live stream thing on YouTube, I sent an email to whoever did that through Bandcamp. I, I must have been you guys because I don't, I haven't, there's only one of them, I believe. And I was like, yo, can oh, I oh, literally... Oh, there's a, the gent live stream is, is Martin. Um, uh, so that's not us. Guy. We have a okay. tech death live stream and uh, and okay. ours is using um, neural synthesis and uh, and Martin's is incredible. And, you know, that's all procedural generation. Um, yeah, and, that's yeah, the one both I've sound seen. Wicked, 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 wicked cool. Yep. Um, and yeah. we just recently we started uh, this open source lab called Harmony, um, which I, I think mm. you, you're in, Mr. Bill, um, the Discord. Yeah, I know about that one. And, yeah. Yep, yep. So we have like just t- like thousands of GPUs um, and just working with artists to try to make the tools of the future. All right. Uh, Rob, how about how about you next? Hello. Um, yeah, I'm Rob Clouth, and I'm an electronic musician, sound designer, and programmer, I guess. Um, and yeah, I've been interested in generative music since I was, I don't know, 15, 16, uh, listening to Orteca. And uh, I think lots of electronic music- musicians have gone through the same thing where they're like, how the fuck do I make that sound? And then they get that classic Orteca or not Orteca patch that they find on the internet and then open it up and uh, just like you see like a mess of cables and boxes and you're like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. So yeah, I've been uh, messing around with Max for quite a few years now. Um, and then I guess over the last three years or two years, um, I've been really trying to um, get into this kind of cheat boxing thing, um, which it, like the idea is, is to use uh, machine learning algorithms to convert my voice into like banging beats uh, mm-hmm. in real time so that I can kind of stream sounds out of my head into the computer a little bit faster. Um, so yeah, basically been working with these guys over the last couple of days, um, on an algorithm, which, uh, hopefully, um, I'll be able to use for this, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at now. Cool. Um, perhaps Catherine, you could introduce yourself next. Hi there. I'm Catherine. Um, I have a background basically in film and television, Um, And also in edutainment programs, so, you know, behavior change for communities on the ground. Um, And I guess my role in this um, as the sort of only non-music producer and non-sound designer um, is to listen a lot. It's fascinating hanging out with this crew and just listening to them talking to each other. Um, (laughs) 
um, and also just sort of keep the keep the show on the road. We got a, a grant um, from Creative Informatics, um, which is a resident entrepreneurship at Edinburgh University. And so there's the academic side to this, there's the entrepreneurial side, and then there's this amazing creative retreat we've had for the last 10 days here. So yeah, general cook and bo- bottle washer. Awesome. And I guess finally, uh, Ben. Hey, what's up, Bill? Thank you so much for having us on. It's really exciting to have this crew together and 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 to be talking uh, with you and moderating this discussion today. <clears throat> As Catherine mentioned, we won a grant from the Creative Informatics Department at the Edinburgh University, and we use that grant to start a software company. We're called Data Mind Audio, and. Our mission is to create AI plugins for sound design in the music production space. In this last couple of days, we have been putting together our very first offering. Um, Rob has been the coder on this, and the data bots have been putting together the, the neural networks, and we've been building this architecture together. Uh, we're putting together this thing that right now we're calling it the combobulator. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> It, we're hoping it could be a kind of a game changer for a lot of industry professionals. Um, it, it reimagines and redesigns any sound going into it to uh, resemble the music producers that it's trained on. So it's kind of a style transfer for real-time audio. And we're pretty excited about it because, as you mentioned, there are uh, an increasing number of AI music options available out there. But as far as we know, this is one of the first ones that can do it in real time and that is designed by artists for artists and that uses semi-modular functionality. So when opening this up, you'll find LFOs and envelopes and all these things that you you expect to see in an instrument. So we're trying to take this really interesting new ways of generating sound and put it into something really familiar for music producers. Awesome. Um, So just to make this sort of an all-inclusive chat that somebody who has no idea about any of this could listen to, uh, does somebody want to give a quick rundown on basically what AI is, what a neural network is, etc.? Um, and maybe Rob or data miners would, or data bots would be a good one for that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so in AI is an algorithm. It typically runs on a graphics card, a GPU, uh, and it falls under we're using uh, machine learning, which is a, a type of algorithm that learns. So if you give it uh, data, um, it will find uh, statistics in it. Um, and if you give it some objective, like say, listen to some music and predict what's going to happen next, um, machine learning is that, that, that sort of problem falls on, under machine learning. And it, and, and it turns out that uh, neural networks are generally the, the best way to do that kind of algorithm. Um, and they're... Heavy, heavy, heavy duty. Uh, the kinds of l- large models we train them on, you know, 256 GPUs. Um, but we're we're trying to make them small enough so that they can run on a, you know anybody's laptop in a DAW. Um, and you know that's what we're doing here um, altogether, using uh, research by uh, Antoine, who made a uh, Rave, uh, which is a neural net that can uh, do style transfer and can uh, do continuations and it runs fast enough to run on a typical laptop on a CPU. And this is like a total breakthrough um, in the in in the research, like be, actually being able to do this in a way where people can use it and play with it live in their DAW. Mm. So from my understanding, a neural network is basically a bunch of inputs and a bunch of outputs and you feed it a bunch of inputs and then you set like whatever quote unquote like weights to them or something like that, right? And say like, these are the things that I want you to be interested in. And then slowly over time, it starts to do something with whatever data you're feeding into it. And from my understanding, we don't exactly know what happens in the middle part. And then it outputs a bunch of shit. Is that correct? Or am I totally wrong? Uh, yeah, basically, um, it, this stuff works uh, even if you don't exactly understand what's happening in the middle. Um, but you know, over time, people are figuring it out and coming up with mm-hmm. new architectures that run faster, train faster, um, you know, aren't as expensive. Uh, you know, so, some of these models like OpenAI jukebox require millions of dollars to train 
Um, and we want to make it so that you, anybody can do it for free. Mm. Um, yeah, there's just uh, breakthroughs are just happening faster and faster. And it takes a lot to kind of keep up. But also, if you're new to it, you can sort of cut in line um, by just jumping on whatever's the latest and greatest and, and starting there as your journey. Right. I mean, I guess it's no different to music in that way, right? Like in terms of standing on the shoulders of other people to kind of get stuff going faster, you know, versus like if somebody tried to make a top tier level dubstep in 2005, it's like very different, not only technologically, but like also in just the idea space of like what people are even thinking to do is extremely different these days. Um, in terms of all of the stuff going on inside of the neural network, is it's from what I understand, not completely indifferent from basically how a human brain deals with data and outputs things, right? Uh, there, there's some similarities, uh, particularly, yeah, definitely the network structure. Um, I guess what, what's interesting about the neocortex of the brain is that it's one algorithm, so to speak, repeated over and over and over and over. Um, and it's just really, really good at doing its job, uh, you know, human level thinking. And with deep learnings, you also have these algorithms that, you know, like transformers where you just repeat attention, um, this one component over and over and over and over and over again, and, and works really well, which is really fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this stuff is kind of pretty fucking mind blowing for sure. Uh, what, what, what's going on with all of the GPUs? You said you have 256 GPUs. So are you, do you own this many or are you using the computing power from somewhere else? Oh, um, so yeah, com compute has always been a constraint. Um, but Zach and I, we, you know, um, in the early days of Databots, we were competing in hackathons. And those are kind of coding art competitions. Uh, we would go to music hackathons uh, to, and we'd try to come up with some music algorithm. And there's a show until the end and sometimes there's prizes. Um, and very early on, um, you know, 2015, we were winning compute credits to train models on GPUs, uh, we, like like 100k worth of credits on AWS, for example, to just um, use their GPUs to make death metal and black metal and Kurt Cobain acapellas. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how we started, and it's just it's just super expensive and you know not something we could afford. But you know we kept competing to um, to win these credits, and now um, now we're uh, using Stability AI's cluster um, and Stability. Uh, they started by just getting a bunch of these open source groups working on different research just for their their own passion um, and just providing free compute. Uh, so yeah, that's what they did with us. We teamed up with Zach Evans to make Harmony, and there's like you know four thousand GPUs that everyone's using. Wow. Um, I have a question for Rob. Uh, you said that you basically made a bunch of uh, you you made an algorithm that is trained on beats. And then you set it up in such a way that you can now make beats with your mouth and then it will transfer those into uh, actual sounding normal beats or something like that. Uh, could, you, could you talk a little bit on that and just like how you trained it, what kind of information you fed into it, what, the, what it's doing, and then uh, finally um, what it's outputting and what you've been using that for in musical senses? Sure, 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 sure. Um, so I'm actually using uh, this algorithm which came out of Earcom. Um, called Rave, and it's what we're basing this new software on as well. Um, so my goal is to be able to beatbox into a microphone, um, and then the output in real time sounds like proper drums or any other sound. Because I've got these, um, I've got like hours and hours and hours of like Vatex style beats uh, trapped in my head. Mm. But I just can't be fucked to uh, do all of the clicking required to get them out anymore. Mm. So um, I'm trying to cut corners and get more of a, like a direct input into the computer um, using my voice. And so, yeah, it's a neural network which has um, been trained on various things. Um, the main one that I've been messing around with is trained on like jungle um, sounds. Um, but then also I've been playing one, with one that's been trained on randomer mixes, uh, you know, randomer, the techno guy. No, I don't. Um, but... Just to get like super banging techno vibes. Mm. Um, yeah, and my goal is to get the latency down short enough um, so that I can actually do it live. Um, and then 
yeah, it'll be super, super fun. Uh, the way it works is a sound comes in and then the network compresses the audio into these short, like short blocks of numbers, which are kind of like a, like a representation of the sound that's coming in. But what's fun is then you can play with these numbers. You can like add uh, numbers to it or you can uh, just like add noise to them or fuck around with them. Um, and then the output is like wildly different. So you can get something which sounds like realistic drums and then you just add a bit of noise to these numbers in the middle and it will, you know, it will sound like something completely different. So for like in a live context, it's like super fun because you can go from something which sounds realistic to something which sounds like a glitched up nightmare uh, just with like a couple of knob twists. Yeah, so that's the goal. It's like I just want to be able to get sounds out of my head into a computer faster and I want to be able to jam but with like high quality produced sounds. Yeah, I guess all of it stems from like a little bit of laziness. But then also I want to create like a, an instrument that I can get good at and really focus more on like the live aspect of electronic music. So that's, yeah, that's where I'm trying to go with that. Right. So like, let's say for instance, you want to, I don't know, like in the very simplest sense, create a kick drum or something, you would just go to the microphone and the idea is you go boom and it recognizes, hey, that's Rob or whoever trying to make a kick drum. I'm going to take that block of uh, sound that's coming in, turn it into a stack of numbers and be like, that's a stack of numbers that looks like it's supposed to be a kick drum. And then is it taking a kick drum that already has been recorded and exists and then uh, spitting that out with some shit on top of it? Or is it basically saying like, here's the actual audio input. I'm now going to transform some stuff with that. So that waveform or whatever now looks a little bit more like a kick drum and I'm going to actually like use that bit of audio to make one and spit it out or what, what's going on there? Yeah, so it's it's like the second one. Um, because have you messed around with Voclia? Uh, maybe. Impossible to say. I have like 900 plugins. Yeah, so Voclia, plugins. Um, <laughs> um, is um, it's trigger-based. Uh, so it's another way of like creating beats with your voice. Um, but in that one, you train, for example, um, what it sounds like when you make a kick drum sound with your voice. You... you you've got to give it like uh, training samples and you're like, boom, 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 right. boom. Um, that's the kick. And then you train the snare. Um, and then every time you do like a kick sound, it will play back a sample. Um, but which I think that's, that, I think that's an interesting way of doing it. But I'm more interested in like the textures between the beats. So like, for example, sometimes you want to do like a longer kick or you want to do like a reversed kick or you just want to go into the microphone and have something always come out. Mm. So that's what's nice about this um, this rave algorithm is it tries to convert like every single little bit of audio that comes out of the microphone into something uh, that sounds like drums or uh, another kind of voice or just whatever the model's been trained on. So you can, it's like much more fun for just like textures and fills and um, yeah, all of the bits that come between beats. That's not just the, you know, the actual triggers themselves. Right. So let's say you make that sound that you just made. How many parts is that being broken up to like in terms of window sizes of numbers, like blocks of numbers, for instance? So um, basically I'm trying to get that as small as possible because that's what determines the latency. Um, so at the moment, I've got it to like 512. Um, Which means like what, every 512 samples or something like that? Yeah, so that's what the latency is at at the moment. So it's like just about doable live, um, but that you get this kind of like echo back um, in your ear. And so it's like not quite um, short enough. So I'm, I'm going to try and like chop that in half, I think. But every time you chop it in half, it like bumps up the CPU CPU load. So at the moment, the algorithm is running at like 90%, 80%, 90% CPU. So uh, yeah, I might have to like buy a separate computer for it or something. Um, but it's super fun to play with, I have to say. Like, Yeah, so something that um, a computer engineer told me like last year or something like that is that the reason the CPU is in the middle of the motherboard is due to limitations of the speed of light and therefore you don't want all of your components 
like you know when your motherboard oh sorry your cpu in like one corner and then like shit at the other corner of the motherboard because then like the speed of light or whatever it's like slightly further away so they put it right in the middle and then like everything is very close together but these new like silicon chips or whatever is now everything's just sort of stacked into a chip or or something and therefore it like um it makes shit way faster or something i'm probably sound like a dumbass right now but that's my basic understanding of shit but but i'm curious as to like what sort of other latency limitations there are in doing this kind of stuff because it seems like there's a shit ton of work that has to happen on the computer's part to like get an audio signal in do a bunch of stuff to, or first of all recognize what it is secondly break it up into a ton of things then add a bunch of shit to it and then generate a thing and then output that thing it seems like there's just a lot of steps there and i'm, I'm just really curious as to how you're getting that to happen almost in real time because from my experience with ai stuff um, up until this point is that you give it something either a prompt or a, another piece of audio or an image or something and you say do your thing and then you're like all right now i'm waiting for like 10 minutes to like wait for it to do the thing yeah i mean this is all really thanks to uh, antoine and his work at earcam um the actual algorithm itself like the rave part uh i'm just training models and tweaking parameters like the m- most of the work like the vast majority of the work was done by those guys at Earcam. Um, and yeah, they've managed to find a way of doing this generation in real time with like relatively low latency. And for me, it's just like a total game changer. Because like previously I was using, um, I guess, yeah, it's like an optimization technique, I'd, I guess, um, for doing audio mosaicing. And it's the kind of the same vibe. You've got this style transfer thing. Um, so I was recording like clips and loops with my voice and then doing this style transfer to kind of, I don't know, make it sound like rustling leaves or falling rocks or something like that. But it was like an offline process, you know, you, uh, you recorded some stuff um, and then you throw in some samples and then, then you had to like wait for 30 seconds or a minute or more, depending on like the length of the audio. And then you get your, your result. But with this new way, it's like super immediate and you can jam with it. And that's what's super fun is uh, it feels much more like um, like plugging a USB cable into your, into your brain and just like streaming out the sound. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's way more playful. Mm. Um, Zach, I don't know you, but I guess like let's go to you now and I'll, I'll pose some questions to you uh, just so you get a chance to speak also. And then we'll get on to Ben and Catherine and, and some examples. So... Um, another thing that I'm really interested in with AI stuff or in general, I suppose, um, this is more of like a human issue is like creative or creativity and not getting blocks. And I have this theory that, uh, if you can reliably generate stimulus input into a human, like via whatever eyes ears, or any other sense that that human finds to be creatively stimulating that we can beat the creative block and i've done that over the years just by having a bunch of tricks up my sleeve for being creative right like if i'm if i'm not feeling something that day i'll be like all right well i'll just do something else creative like sound design or i'll just do something else like start like working on some something with my hands like in the garage or or just like any other thing that i know like keeps my mind busy and then all of a sudden I'm like oh that gives me an idea for a song (laughs) and then I go start writing it right so one thing that I've been super interested in with AI is uh the stimulus generation aspect of it in terms of uh what Rob was just saying like quote unquote jamming with a computer or jamming with AI uh curious as to your thoughts on that yeah it's been this kind of hunting and gathering process in the past where like you said it's been kind of slow offline stuff where you generate a bunch of crap and like maybe like 1% of it's good. And you're like, oh, what was that? You, you know, you, you generate more to probe around in that area. It's a lot of curation. And I feel like we're, we're reaching this point now where it's, it's getting more connected to maybe traditional uh, human musicianship gesture, if, whether it's beatboxing, tap dancing, uh, nailing a hammer into a wall that could be style transferred into a beat. I, I don't know. Like there's so many different things you're talking about, like building, maybe just building, you know, you could, you could have crazy sounds come out of the rhythms of just you building that you, you haven't thought of when you're like sitting down in front of a computer and you're like on the grid. Right. So I, I think that it's going to open up 
uh, a lot of just connection to... Uh, I'm already thinking, uh, I'm inspired by this flavor from this artist, this flavor from this artist. When we can blend them, merge them together, it's not merely replicating some artist, which is uh, a bit how we started, you know, focusing on one style of, of an artist's uh, kind of faked, deep faked sounds or something. But when it's really like just different color palettes that we mix, different textures, and it's just like, you know, we, this has been mentioned already, but like just coming quickly from, you know, your ideation into realizing it, then that hunting gathering process just accelerates. And yeah, you don't really know where it's going to lead you. Yeah, I've always been yeah, super interested in jamming with computers. Uh, the way I generally would do it at this point is if I'm not feeling anything and I'm like, oh, I don't want to write, I'll just essentially throw random samples into granulizers or whatever. And all of a sudden it gives me ideas to make music with. And, and I think that that's pretty similar to making music with another person in a studio. And that's why I like to collaborate so often actually with, with other producers is because it's just exciting. Like they do things that you don't expect them to do. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, like you added that beat to that like section of that song. That gives me like another idea. Or, you know, like if, if I'm sitting in a room with someone and they go like, Oh, blah, 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 do their thing. All of a sudden I'm like, fuck, can I jump on? I got an idea, you know? <laughs> and I really love the idea of being able to delete the other human from that experience. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I got into like electronic music and using shit like Fruity Loops and Acid Pro back in the day when I was, I was in all these punk bands and, you know, we would like write songs together, spend six months like refining everything, go to the studio, record it. Uh, and then the band would break up and all the songs were gone and we didn't want to do it, have anything to do with it. And I just got sick, so sick of that process. Uh, while I, I mean, it's fun. You have friends, you're hanging out, but sometimes there's, there's not like quite the essence of it at the end. Uh, it's more of like a moment of just like friendship and stuff, which is awesome. But I think I, I wanted to work alone and just like get my ideas out. And yeah, working on a computer all day is isolating and so, somewhat boring sometimes too. But having the feedback coming maybe back at you from this more intelligent like music instrument that can play off at your ideas like you know do things that are absurd and gibberish and not exactly what a human would do but it's almost like an improv game where you're just thrown something crazy and you deal with it so uh, yeah i like that point about like working alone but now you don't feel quite alone because you're in this like cool like hall of mirrors like looking at yourself differently i think that's a pretty like beautiful outcome. Mm. And, and there's these, it also enables collaboration, like huge collaborations on a song. Um, like we did a track last year for the AI song contest called nuns in a mosh pit. And there were like 14 people, uh, that could contributed to it. Um, including, uh, the guitarist Pliny. I'm like, yo, Pliny, do you want to do a, a guitar? Your, do you want your bot to do a guitar solo on this song? Um, and then I'm like, okay, uh, Duncan from Volvadinia, the South African, uh, slam death band. like, do you want your bot to be the vocalist on this song? Um, and just it, it bringing in other artists just by them being like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. Use the training data on the song, go for it. Um, you could create these like huge super groups uh, very quickly. Mm. Yeah, this is something I was talking about on the podcast literally in like 2019. I was like, oh man, one day we're just going to be able to have like something running in the background of our computer whilst we make music in the way that we normally do. And that thing is just going to be constantly taking in data. And then at some point it's going to be like, Bill likes kick drums like this. Bill never picks things like this. Bill's uh, go-to synthesizers are these ones and the, the go-to types of sounds uh, and the things that he reaches for first and, and all of these processes, they're all totally finite things that producers in our mind were like, man, music's so infinite. And it's like, it seems that way, but it's really not. Like if you break it down, we do the same six or seven things just folded different ways over and over again. And at the end of the day, if you listen to a Mr. Bill tune, it sounds pretty much like 90% of the way to a, another Mr. Bill tune with a couple of edits to it, basically. Um, and as much as artists like to be like, oh, this song is my, all my shit is so different. How am I ever going to play it in a set, man? It's like, you just feel that way. Cause you're looking at it way too closely. It's like, step back. It's fucking Mr. Bill music. Like it's not that complicated. And yeah, I mean, for a computer, that's especially finite. Like for a human, it seems incredibly infinite and com complicated, but I think for us, it's, uh, it's, it's really not, um, oh, sorry for computers. It's not Catherine. I have a question for you. I kind of want to chat a little bit as well um about ai uh in like 
uh, for artists and, and work and stuff like that and the fears that come with that for, you know, jobs being taken. And one of the things that I often uh, think about or one of the ways that I think about this is we have these algorithms, right, that can absolutely destroy human beings in zero-sum games. And a good example of that is chess. Uh, we have computers that can just beat human beings at chess every every single game and humans, even the best ones in the world, like Magnus Carlsen and stuff like that, will never beat them. And <clears throat> still we put in the effort to make these giant competitions for humans to play each other. And there's a giant fan base of people who want to watch humans play each other, even though we could generate a million perfect games of chess in like two seconds and just watch the computer play each other over and over again. Uh, but we don't. Why? And you know, and and how do you feel? I guess like because you you said you you worked in film and TV and were a writer and stuff. How do you feel about things like Chat GPT three? You know, and and the future of, I guess, creative writing and all of that stuff. I have to say, my first. I mean, it's very exciting, and there are all kinds of avenues that open up. But um, I recently sort of entered a formula for a series of stories that I've been writing, and what came out was extraordinary. You know, original, subtle, hugely articulate. Um, so, you know, my, my, it gave me pause for thought for quite some time. I actually came back from DEFCON last year and just looked out to sea for several days. I kind of realized, as, as someone who's not really in the field of AI, quite what a huge impact it's going to have on, on all of us. Um, we were just talking earlier today, though, about, you know, the impact on composition and music and for musicians, obviously building this little combobulator of ours. Um, and I said to the guys, you know, you've, you've spent all this time honing your original sound, even if it is a composition of those seven or eight things, you know, that you do all the time. How do you feel about that being accessible, that anyone can put any sound into this instrument and get out a resemblance of their favorite music producer in real time? Another realization I had is how important the quality of the data that you put in and how much it impacts what you get out. It's not just all about just bringing everything in all the time. So what the guys have done here is train their neural networks on extraordinary sound designers and music producers you know you Richard Devine said he want, was happy to be a part of it today um, so I kind of feel like being part of this great experiment is more important and more prevalent than the fear factor <laughs> which which quite rightly should be there it causes us to keep questioning ourselves yeah I mean the scope and the magnitude of the universe and the metaverse of sound that we now have access to suddenly is extraordinary you know I think of Ben talking about his days back in Alaska as a teenager being like mind blown because he could download kick drums <laughs> <laughs> and now we can do stuff like this um, so the scope of the power of those neural network training capabilities gives us so many avenues that people like CJ and Zach have been thinking about for 10 years, but which are mind-blowing for most of us. Uh, mm. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Um, and then I guess, Ben, you said you have some examples you want to show, uh, but maybe before you show those examples, you can maybe just give your thoughts on some of the stuff that we've talked about as well. Yes. Well, there's no way around it. I do think that creative AI is going to majorly disrupt all creative industries. I think it's the the most disruptive thing to happen to creative industries since the internet. And anytime there's a major innovation, there there are going to be some people left behind, unfortunately. Um, and so there are some valid fears. Like if you, if you make a living making background music for TikTok videos, for instance, that job is gone. <laughs> There's going to just be, I think eventually you're just going to describe what you want in the background and it's, it's out of the box canned music. And, and, uh, these companies, these big companies, they, they don't want to be creating licensed deals with a million different artists. If they can generate it, they probably will. I think that uh, a lot of photography and stock imagery is also probably going to be gone because of image generators. But in my mind, that is very low-hanging 
fruit. It's it's really hard to, as least right now, to to imagine hearing something that would just straight up replace Mr. Bill or replace you know your your the details and the nuance and the feeling that you're putting into in, into music. And what I see is the entertainment industry just expanding. Like in the last few months with Dali and Stable Diffusion and Mid Journey kind of taking over, uh, my my news feed and on my social media has gotten so much more artistic. I love it. And my friends who are artists, they're, they're, most of them are embracing it. They're figuring out how to incorporate it into their processes. And the the overwhelming feeling is that there's a new route to make art that's so accessible to so many people. Like when I got into music, I actually, I'm going to admit something on your show. I have very small hands and I I don't have very good dexterity. And when I was like 10 years old, um, the doctor told, told my mom, he says, give him a guitar and, and video games. Maybe that'll, that'll get him better at, at moving his fingers. And, uh, for the last, 2000 years music has been only reserved for those of us who have the physical dexterity to to express it and a lot of people that don't aren't physically uh don't have great physical abilities they've been kind of left behind i i wonder throughout history how many great musicians that we just would never know about because they didn't have a way of expressing it because they weren't good at playing piano or weren't really good at at playing uh guitar or something. Uh, I'm really excited about the amount of people that this is going to bring accessibility to, that the the new routes of creativity that this is actually going to open. And um, I'm really excited to become a part of the conversation. With, With DataMind Audio, our real mission here is to have a really positive impact when it's still really early days, it's really in the the inception days. I think eventually, of course, there's going to be opportunists. There's going to be big companies, tech companies kind of coming in, looking for profitability and opportunities and stuff. But right now, we're we're just a small group of, of creative individuals and artists. We're trying to collaborate with AI versions of ourselves. We're trying to to imprint a small part of what we do into a computer and feed it back to ourselves and be able to explore it and play it in ways that we uh, were un, unable to before. This plugin we're trying to build is going to offer a wide range of options to discover and synthesize sounds in a very musical way. I just can't can't wait to hear what it's going to sound like when when I finally make the perfect data set of my own music and see what I can pull out of this latent space. I mean, it's an extraordinary instrument. You know, you can put in you can put in any sound and then you can say I want 50% of Mr. Bill's noise and 50% of Rob Cloud's transients and then from those sounds you can mess with them. I mean, that's the like simple person process and that blows my mind. Mm. Yeah, and I, I- I think you you bring a good point up there, Ben, which is like accessibility. Um, I think this is even happening on on a smaller scale just within electronic music producers as well, right? Like there's been a bunch of people and still is a bunch of people specifically in my space, which is essentially dubstep music space at this point, who wouldn't be able to make crazy, crazy dubstep tunes without accessibility to the sounds in those dubstep tunes, right? Like there's people making Skrillex level sounding shit who don't know how to synthesize things in the way that Skrillex knows how to, but because all of those sounds and all of those things are so accessible to everybody, we now have, uh, you know, a bunch of people that sound like Skrillex, but then there's also a bunch of examples of dubstep producers who are going way further beyond that with those sounds who wouldn't have been able to in any other way. So yeah, I suppose it is really exciting in the sense that there's people out there who may even be completely tech illiterate, not know how to use a computer at all. And if we get AI and accessibility up to the level um, that you're talking about, or that I'm imagining, at least in my head, we could simply just go put a headset on them and bam, like the music that they have in their brain could then exist as well. And that'd be extremely interesting um, to see what kind of stuff comes out of, of, you know, different kinds of brains without having to, because one of the things that gets in the way of making music a lot of the time 
is the technical stuff, right? It's like so often I'll move a kick drum off somewhere else or a bass hit somewhere else or duck a thing here or there, which changes the musical idea to some degree because I know so much about audio engineering and production and that influences my decision so much that I'll be like, all right, this doesn't sound good here. And it probably will be really difficult to get sounding good there without like a crazy good mix down and crazy good EQing and side chaining and all that kind of crap. So to solve it, I just won't have it there. I'll put that beat on another beat or get rid of it completely. Right. So that influences my decisions constantly. Uh, and I, I realized this through collaborating with, um, a lot of bigger producers who try not to let that technical thing get in the way of their production so much and try to just like have the musical idea be the musical idea and just try and make the production as good as possible for that musical idea versus changing the musical idea to get the production sounding better so yeah stuff like that like people having these technical pieces of information in their mind produces i uh it, yeah it influences the decisions uh a lot i think so to remove that completely to just put a you know, some sort of accessibility thing onto just like, let's say, quote unquote, like a, just a, a non-producer basically. Yeah. You get to hear some really interesting music and some really well-written music, I think from that process. Um, uh, so moving on to examples, I'm really interested to hear what you guys are working on and the kinds of stuff that, that you're doing here. Uh, we, we tested out sharing your Ableton before the stream and it seemed to be working. So would you, would you mind showing us some examples? Sure. Uh, what I have prepared here is just an absolute b bare bones uh, kind of a testing palette that we have. So I'm going to be running Max for Live. And we've just loaded up a model that was trained for the last two days on Mr. Bill's music. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, Zach's been doing the training here. He handed me the USB as we were calling you. <laughs> and I have not heard it yet. Uh, we've just heard little previews wow. kind of chirp out of the system every couple hours. But uh, this is our first time to uh, try out a style transfer on on your stuff. And it's it, I'm really excited because a lot of the stuff that we've been training on have been like like songs and full mixes and, and loops. But a lot the stuff that you sent are like one hits and like single chords. So it doesn't have this temporal cohesion in the same way that like a fully mixed uh, track might. So I really don't know how it's going to come out. Uh, this this will be a really exciting experiment. So let, let, let's give this a shot. I'm going to hit share then. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn down the volume all the way so you don't hear that at all. And we're going to start sending this audio into an encoder that's going to try to reconstruct the audio based on what it's learned from the massive sample libraries you sent us. So let's see what happens. There we go. Wow, and that's happening in real time? Wow. It's kind of interesting. So we get some pretty interesting results when we do stuff like run noise right through this. Like we could just straight up go to like I got an operator patch over here. Um, send stuff that's not necessarily a drum beat. We could just send like so we're gonna send something like that in there. Yeah. So I'm just gonna send that right in like a tone going up and down. There we go. So the tone is almost like being used to navigate through this latent space. Right. And you can get some really interesting and unexpected results using just normal synthesis. Kind of, ooh, listen to that. Oh. oh, yeah, there we go. Pretty nasty. So question. So when you're sending a signal, like let's say a sine tone from like whatever 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz as just like a ramp up is this algorithm then essentially saying this is what i think bill would sound like at 20 hertz this is what i sound, think bill would sound like at 21 hertz this is what i think bill would sound like at 22 hertz this is what i think bill would sound like at 23 hertz etc basically all the way up the thing or is it doing that every 512 increments or uh what what's going on with 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 that oh great question um 
Okay, how do I just describe this uh, without being too jargony? But I'll give it give it a shot. So, um, the frame is uh, twenty forty eight samples. So each frame is being resynthesized through the neural net, um, and the neural net has only been trained on Mr. Bill stuff. Uh, so I don't think there's any sine wave sweeps in the data. Um, so that means it's it's being sent out of distribution. So what I'm not I'm not saying. Uh... That it, that it would do what I would do to a sine wave at each frequency. I'm saying, um, like, you've trained the thing on my data, so it has a, an idea of, like, the things that I would do, right? And the whole purpose of the thing is to be like, this is what I think Bill would do, and then based on the input, this is what I think Bill would do. Is that, is that, am I basically correct in saying that part of it? Uh, it's, yeah, sort of. Um, I guess, yeah, it's, it's trying to, like, reconstruct that, like, from a distribution that is only Bill stuff, um, right. And, and be, because like sine waves aren't in the data, it has to pick something close enough. Um, and yeah. that's why this particular demo sounds like really glitch machines y. Right. So, what I'm saying is, if we do send a sine tone into it, that just goes boop. Is it then basically picking like just parts of the frequency spectrum and just being like, this is what I think Bill sounds like around, around that area of the frequency spectrum. And then this is what I think Bill sounds like around this area of the frequency spectrum. And it's just basically. Uh, yeah, does that make sense? Loosely. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's super interesting. If you could like perfectly recreate any artist uh, artist sound off their discography and just send sign sweeps into it and then have it just like frequency glide, basically be like, this is what I think Tipper sounds like from 0 to 100 hertz. This is what I think Tipper sounds like from 100 to 200 hertz and just like send sweeps into it and just generate <laughs> sweeps of tipper <laughs> we would love to get a tipper set in here could could you show us some examples of uh stuff that you have tested and spent a bit more time on i'm curious just to see what kind of like oh yeah yeah let me like the best quality yeah uh, let's do that yeah like what's your best case result so far yeah Yeah. So someone had a question in the chat. Just to clarify, what you're doing here is you're sending in uh, like some simple 808 yep. drums. So, then, sounds just like this. Yeah. And then what's going on in that latent space, i.e. the space at which all the processing and shit is happening, is it saying, I'm going to regenerate something and spit it out at real time that sounds like Rob Clouth. It's not actually just taking Rob Clouth samples and replacing those. It's, it's actually generating all of that sound in real time, correct? Exactly. The the former that you mentioned is called concatenative synthesis, and right. that's also known as audio mosaicing. And that 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 is a umbrella of algorithms that do exactly that. That you give it a corpus of sound, and then you show it some kind of musical structure, and the algorithm recreates a musical structure using the corpus of sound. Uh, so I, I did a lot of research, actually inspired by Rob, about concatenative synthesis, and a lot of those ideas do translate and transfer over. But what this is doing is it's just a neural network learns what Rob Clouth might sound like. And so when it synthesizes new sounds, it is actually a new sound. It is attempting to sound like everything that it's learned inside of its uh, training set. So one thing that we're gonna, we think it would be interesting to, to, to play with is that I'm a big fan of delays. And one thing that we've rigged this up to do is I've got like a echo, just a normal echo here on the end. And if I put the dry wet at 100%, we can send the output of the neural net back into itself. And so we found some very colorful results doing that. Just, just to be clear uh, as to what you're doing here, you're sending that 808 loop into it. You're saying create a thing in real time that sounds like Rob Clouth. Take that thing that you recreated yeah. that sounds like Rob Clouth based on the 808 loop and then send it back in again and recreate a thing that sounds like the recreated thing that Rob Klaus made based on the 808 loop, correct? Yes. And every time it goes back around, just like with any good dub delay, it's passing through this same EQ, which is why right. I'm kind of going nuts with this because you can yeah. kind of encourage it to recursively continue to imp compound on, on its uh, spectral characteristics. Fuck yeah. Well, that's fucking crazy. But... Hey man, we're wrapping up here. I think it's like almost been it's been a bit over an hour at this point. I try to keep these a little bit 
to uh, about that length, um, especially with just the density of information here. I think uh, we could easily chat on this for many, many hours. Um, is there any final thoughts that anyone wanted to share on AI music in general in the music in yeah, and then in the generative music space uh, before we wrap up? Uh, I saw in the comments someone was talking about copyright um, and like how uh, like artists might might feel about a data set being made of their music and then other people use it. Uh, I say fucking go for it. Um, there is so much more to making a track than just uh, what the the kind of sound. You know, there's there's like the whole structure. There's um, the concept behind it. There's the the feeling that went into it when you were making it, and these models don't don't capture that. So yeah, um, you might be able to get a sound which is um, kind of inspired by another artist or something like that, but you're definitely not copying them. There is so much more um, other angles and and so much more creative aspects which go into manipulating that model. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think copyright really enters into this at all. Mm. Also, copyright in general is, in my opinion, just adding artificial scarcity to a thing, right? And I want to wrap it up by saying uh, if this uh, interests you, uh, especially if you're a music producer or developer or into machine learning, um, come check out the uh, Harmony Discord. Um, come follow Databots. Um, come join, join the community. Um, we have how many? We have like nineteen thousand people in our community, nineteen hundred people. Um, and yeah, and what, what we're doing is, is open source, and we share the code, and we share our knowledge, and you can go up and get started if, if you're not even a coder. Um, you can this you know this could be your first jump into code. Lots of people have been doing this, been running a Google Colabs just in the browser to train their own personal rave models that they can throw into. Uh, and then Tilda um, thrown into Max for Live. And once our plugin is done, you just throw it into our plugin. And if this all scares you and you think it's a little bit uh, shady or suspect, that's okay too. But I think what's interesting is getting good people, good musicians, good artists to at least have an eye on it, be part of developing the culture early on and not just uh, the tech bros. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that... Uh, this is scary in the same way that adding agriculture was scary to farmers back in the day. It's like we eventually, I think, we'll just get humanity to a point where all of the sort of menial, st like for instance, a hunter-gatherer, right? If you don't have to go hunt food anymore and gather food anymore because agriculture has taken care of that, you know, somebody who was a hunter and spent 24 hours a day having to worry about just getting food into their body to survive and whatnot, um, not having to be concerned about that anymore has just invented a new way of living essentially. And I think AI will probably have a similar sort of result on humanity for that kind of thing. Um, yeah. If you don't have to Absol spend so much absolutely. effort and time making a build up anymore, then you just have more time for the drop, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's something we're really excited about. Like, uh, this is just one application. And I mean, in the future, one thing that we've been talking about is like, what if you could get Ableton to just watch everything that you do and then uh, eventually learn your behavior, as you were suggesting? I mean, eventually it'd be just great to highlight a section and be like, I don't want to make a build up today. Just could you start at me off, you know, start me off with a build up. Um, anyway, it's been really extraordinary working with these artists here. Um, I've been a, such a huge fan of Rob Clouth for the last decade and the work that CJ and Zach has been doing is just cha absolutely changing the world. And, um, and we're all here brought under this roof here at Eagle Rock, uh, in Scotland. And, um, Catherine has been trying to curate a, a intentional creative community that can produce nuggets like this. And, um, I'm really looking forward to having more people out here in Scotland. We're actually having a retreat here on March 17th, just spending 10 days out here on the cliff, just absolutely turning into a creative utopia. And we want to do things, more things like that. And we want to, we want this to be a space that people can bring new ideas and new energy into. And it's, it's a real honor to, to be working with these guys and to be able to talk to you about it today bill yeah i appreciate the idea for having this be on my platform and yeah i really appreciate the conversation um although i don't think we touched on you know absolutely everything i think 
was maybe a good little primer for some people at least. And also the fact that I was on this podcast two, three years ago, basically talking about all of this stuff. And, and I have so many um, producers who have been on this podcast on record on the Mr. Bill podcast saying, oh man, we're like 30 years off that shit. It's just so sick to be like <laughs> two years or three years later having this exact same conversation, but in a completely new light. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate everyone being on this and thanks again. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks, thanks again. This is thanks for awesome. everyone tuning in. Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, mrbillstunes.com and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat, upper deck your toilet and fuck your partner. Note, I may or may not do those last couple of things. Uh, you should probably just go rate it on iTunes or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast. Um, but but just know that that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that. So uh, just just putting that out there. Hello.